0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I welcome back my friend Nathan, and we talk about his adventures in homebrewing. We also talk about the difference between living with roommates and living with your significant other, and how some of those lessons that you learned with your roommates transfer very well when you start living with your partner. I've been very lucky to have great roommates in my life. I'm still close with a lot of them now, and I'm very thankful for that. We recorded this episode the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and so we talk about how Nathan and his girlfriend are hosting Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in their new house and some of the things that go into that. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado... Here's my conversation with my friend, Nathan. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Nathan, thanks for coming on again, man. It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you too, man. How are things going?
0: Pretty good. It's a lot better now that I have one of your beers here next to me, which is pretty crazy. You know, I live 3,000 miles away and I still get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. I think that's pretty incredible.
1: Well, hopefully announcing that doesn't get me in trouble with the feds or anything, but I'm glad I could send you some. Yeah,
0: I guess I probably shouldn't have mentioned that, but uh, that's okay. There's only like 20 people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, so I think we're going to be okay.
1: Hey, but it's 20 very important people, probably very well-connected doctors, lawyers, presidents.
0: That is a very good point. Um, If you're listening out there, please have some mercy. Thank you. (laughs) Please and thank you. uh but uh yeah i wanted to get you on here while i drank this i've already drank some of your beer that you sent me during the sad nebraska ohio state game a few weeks ago
1: Um, (laughs) depends on which side you're on i didn't think it was all that sad
0: yeah i know um i was sad but we had some friends (laughs) over um distanced Was distancing was taking place. Of course, we had a couple setups in the living room, in the garage. We had we had everything spaced out. Don't worry. Right. Um, Right. But uh, I did. At least
1: you had some beer to console you.
0: Oh man, I still have like twenty six bush lights that I didn't drink that day. so. (laughs) Uh, So they're all sitting here in the garage for a rainy day, which, if you've been paying attention to Nebraska football, is pretty much every weekend. (laughs) This one that we are going to taste today, actually, um, there's a cool story behind it. It's called the San Fernando. And you brewed it with one of our other friends, Josh. Um, Tell me a little bit more about how that got started and why you guys decided to make a beer together.
1: So the San Fernando pale that you're currently drinking is, uh, it was a pale ale, and it was one of my steps from going directly from just the like extract kit stuff to actually starting to add a little bit of the specialty grains and hops. And Josh was interested. I had him come over he, We were hanging out. And uh, so since he helped, I said, all right, man, why don't you come up with a name or whatever we bantered back and forth. And then San Fernando pale came from the first apartment that we lived in, including you. Uh, and that was the street we lived on the San San Fernando. Avenue and so San Fernando Pale is what we picked out and it uh stuck around, it was good.
0: I like it, man. I, I think that's cool that you guys were able to do that together. That's that's a fun bonding time, I would assume. Like, um, and then waiting patiently and then being able to enjoy it later. And um, I just took my first sip and I have to tell you, this is pretty damn delicious. When I think of a pale ale. This is exactly what I have in mind. Um, there are there the hops are there, but they're not overpowering like a like an IPA. It's just got a nice subtle hint to it, and I don't know if you can see, but it's got a pretty good head on there too. So that's that's one of my criteria for a good well-made beer is that your head is there and you got the foam sticking to the glass. I think that's um, something that you know it's hard to find sometimes.
1: Yeah, and if you remember from, you're talking about the head and everything like that, and from last podcast we did, and I talked a little bit about it, and how carbonation was one of the things I struggled with a little bit, and I think I've got that figured out quite a bit better now, Um, whether it's uh, how I fill up the bottles. I changed a little bit, and then actually paying a little bit more attention to the of and how much of the sugar I put in for priming before it goes into the bottles to, to make sure it's got the right amount of room to effectively carbonate and the, enough sugar because it changes a little bit per style of beer um, and amount.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's, um, you were saying that this is one of the first beers that you kind of went off and did your own thing on. Um, so how did you like, how did you know how to, which levers to turn, if you will?
1: Well, it wasn't, I won't necessarily say it was often doing my own thing, but starting out, I started with these malt extract basically kits where it's kind of a, a dump and follow the instructions. This one was one of the ones where, okay, instead of getting the full flavored kit where you put it in and you end up with this kind of beer, you buy. A malt extract so I don't have to do all the stuff with the grains which is a huge process and requires a lot of equipment I kind of cheated on that part and then loosely followed a recipe of use these hops put them in around this time and boil it for this long and you follow it close enough that you're not going to screw it up but you can play with that a little bit and that's what this one was was one of the first times where instead of just buying the one can to put in and kind of cookie cutter there's a beer it was you buy the one thing and then you have to wait for a certain time and add this and you can increase or decrease that amount and so it was kind of that base and we followed it mostly um some of the timing with conversing with friends and all that stuff ended up a little bit off but not enough to make a huge difference
0: okay i got you so okay and So what did you think about it when you were able to taste it? Was it what you were going for or are there still some tweaks to work out for the next batch of this?
1: Uh, There's always tweaks. Um, I think we talked about this last time too, about how I'm a little bit more critical on the beer I make. Cause I'm looking at how did it come out versus what I thought and should anything else like that. But for that one, I thought it turned out well. And if I were, uh, it, it may have changed a little bit in flavor now because you're talking about uh, how it went. And I remember one of the times I tasted it early on, the hops were pretty forward and it almost tasted more towards the side of IPA. And so it may have settled down now that it's aged a little bit, but I remember thinking that and going, well, it's kind of right in the middle. If I wanted to make a true pale, I should tone that back a little bit or take it all the way to IPA. Um, but. I ran out of those ones pretty quick because people liked them. Um, So I (laughs) gave a fair bit away and drank a fair bit myself. Um, But there's always those tweaks and I'm learning more and more about how and when to add hops and change this flavoring, that flavoring, or is it more for aroma versus bitterness versus flavor? And uh, so we kind of mentioned i followed more so recipes but now i'm at the point where i have some leftover hops from different batches i've done and i'm looking at thinking about like okay what if i obviously with some help or start with a base somewhere but like pick a style and then start changing fully the type of hop or total amount and adjusting or different hops and that type of stuff because i have this leftover stuff now that uh either as smaller amounts that you wouldn't uh, I need to use somehow or they're kind of a random mix and see how it turns out
0: hey that sounds good to me just kind of throw everything in there and see what happens that's if I was if I was (laughs) making beer that's how I'd be making beer I'm not as technical as you are Uh, my attention Mm -hmm. to detail on things is is not um, so great but I'm getting better with Um, being able to follow recipes for baking and those sorts of things. I'm trying to get better about that. It's hard for Mm -hmm. me though, because I just want to dump all of the good stuff in and sometimes put more in than what's necessary. But there are times where you have to hone that back a little bit.
1: Yeah. And what's, what's kind of fun and interesting about brewing is you hear the old saying about how um, cooking is an art. And you can kind of, you know, cook things any way you want. And if you're a good natural cook, they'll come out good, all that stuff. But baking is a science. Yep. And what's a little bit interesting about homebrewing is it's kind of a mix. You can't just go totally haywire. There's a certain scientific process you have to follow. And if you put things in at a certain time, like I talked about, it'll pull more of the acids out of the hops and make it more bitter. Or if you put them in at a different time, there'll be more aroma. But as long as you follow that more or less basic scientific process and know where you're doing, then you can go a little bit more into the cooking side of it. And it's a little bit more of an art. And you can say, I'm going to put these ones in right at the end, or I'm going to put them in 20 minutes before the end so they get more flavor rather than aroma or however you want to do it.
0: So the last time we were talking... You were mentioning how you had a lot of space in your garage for all this home brewing equipment and everything. <laughs> how does Sarah feel about everything going on in the house?
1: Well, well, well naturally, uh, with a garage and especially up here in Alaska, where you get plenty of toys, there's there's a little less space now um, between home brewing stuff and the toys I was talking about. That currently, in fact, actually, Sarah gets to park in the garage and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably okay. But that's partially my fault not cleaning things up and, and I shouldn't say not cleaning things up, but just not having everything set up to be organized and put away all the time. And, and we got a one of those side by sides to have a little bit of fun with. So that gets a garage spot as well. Nice. And I get to warm my car up every morning.
0: You need to go talk to Spencer and get a remote start.
1: Oh, I already did. I got that last year when I had to do the same thing. That's <laughs> funny.
0: So yeah. you had to bring a lot of your equipment inside, and you were telling me yesterday um something fun that happens when you have your homebrewing equipment inside sometimes and there's nowhere for it to go.
1: Um, so what well, you're referring to as I was talking about I'm fermenting a a new beer I'm doing now and I actually typically do that inside but this in particular one is a higher alcohol percent than I'm usually or it's the highest I've made so far it's a clone so clone brews are those a famous beer and you try and recreate it type thing and I found a recipe for Uh, It's a really highly rated, highly sought after Christmas beer called Mad Elf. They only distribute it around Pennsylvania. Well, we have some friends that are from Pennsylvania. They can't find it anywhere. They wish they really had it. So I found a recipe and we cloned it. Well, it ends up around 10, 12%. Damn. So when I set it up to ferment and the yeast goes in, the yeast bubbles and gets, and normally that's fine. This one, was way more active than any of the other ones I did. And I looked at it at one point, I was like, oh man, that's kind of bubbling out the top, but I I guess it's got more yeast, whatever. Didn't think about it, came back a little bit later and it actually created enough pressure. It shot the rubber cork with the fermentation lock out of it. And there was, it was right after I put in cherry juice, so it's red. There was an explosion of red (laughs) everywhere in our pantry i was wiping it up off of the ceiling off of the walls off of the back of the door i mean it's it was everywhere and so i was like i oh. set it all up again put the thing back on moved it into the bathroom and as i'm cleaning up the pantry bah, exploded all over the bathroom again and it's just everywhere and so i finally set up it's called a blow-off tube. It's a different type setup for fermenting because I started reading into it basically just to give that stuff more of a pathway to release instead of building pressure. Um, but it was kind of funny and now it's in the adventures of home brewing. it's something to learn from and that if I have a higher alcohol percent I should probably just do that part right off the bat. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm excited. The beer looks like it's going to come out great um still doing well everything with that and it's just kind of funny we talked about naming of the other one i handed over to my buddy and we talked about where we live together all that and that's how the name came up well this one like i said it's a clone of mad elf and so we're trying to figure out and finalize the name now and we were floating around with like northern elf alaska elf mad moose you know something themed like that but now with that event happening there's all the talk of the Elf on the Shelf. I'm thinking about like Elf on the Shelf, wall, ceilings, floor, everywhere. Or because uh, it literally popped its top, the Raging Elf instead of the Mad Elf.
0: I like that. I think Raging Elf, that sounds better. I like the other one. Uh, that could be the, the tagline or the little short story, but uh, Raging Elf <laughs> works, at least for me. But it's yeah. your beer. I'm just giving my opinion. I would I would yeah. go with raging elf.
1: So. if any of your subscribers want to uh, offer name suggestions or beer type suggestions, they can feel free to write in.
0: I can uh, I can throw something <laughs> out there. We'll see. I do have an email set up for this podcast, so uh, I've never oh, given okay. that out before. So here we go. Um, <laughs> please be nice. So we no. we talked a little bit about. You brewing the beer with Josh, and we all lived together for a little while. I, I never had a true dorm experience in college. I I always lived off campus. I never had that dorm experience. So my roommates off campus that was pretty much my dorm life, and I mean I couldn't think of a uh, of a better experience living off campus than being with you guys. Um, there was always stuff going on. We were always getting getting into stuff. Um, that's what's fun about living with your buddies. Like there's always something going on. You don't really have to um, go out of your way to find something to do because there's always, there's always people around. There's always something to do. Um, right. Right.
1: And there's, we had, as far as living off campus, I lived on campus a little bit. I, just, the one year I was down in Missouri, basically. And, I think there's advantages and disadvantages. Um, I wouldn't say the lifestyle per se that we lived. We were still college kids. We still did a lot of that. And in Anchorage and UAA particularly, there's not a huge dorm life scene anyway. Um, But we were surrounded by our good friends. We still had a ton of fun, but it's nice living off campus in your own place and and everything like that is dorms are very crowded and you can't always just get away so I think we were all at the points in our lives where yeah we wanted to be young but we also had living up here we just had a different sense of having a little bit of our own space and in Alaska things are a lot more spaced out so it was never dorm style is much more crowded and we were never used to that or yearned for that, I guess.
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that. It was nice to like have my own room and um, just have my own little space there. Cause really, if you're in a dorm, you're probably sharing that, that dorm room with another person. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's tough to get that privacy, especially if you need to jam on a paper or, you know, just want to read a little bit, you know, um, which I never really did, but if I wanted to, I could. Um, but yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's just, I, I was thinking about this today when we were talking about when we were thinking about doing this and, um, one memory comes to my mind and it, it I feel like that's the epitome of living with roommates. You and I were walking through Bed Bath & Beyond one time. I don't even know why we were there. But we look up and we see these inflatable go karts that you could buy to use with uh, Mario Kart on the Nintendo Wii. And we looked at each other and we were like, Yep, we're getting those. Yep. Those are coming home with us. Yeah. I mean, they were like 20 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah. And just, inflatable
1: cushions you sat on that were shaped like race cars. That was all they were. But. Well, they had a steering wheel. That yeah, yeah. You remember?
0: So that was like, you know, it's like, hey, we can do whatever the hell we want to. (laughs) And uh, in a lot of ways, that was good. And in some ways, maybe not so good. But um, I do feel like, you know, that was a really cool experience that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that, at least for a while, unless until we have kids. If we have kids, you know, like just walking through and being like, I'm buying that. I'm buying that. I feel like that was when my impulse control was at its very lowest point.
1: Right. Right. Well, it's in the grand scheme of things, not being, you're in that transition period of kid to adult. So you don't have as many of those responsibilities on, or at least, you know, got to pay rent, got to, you know, make certain things happen. But outside of that, it's, you're not thinking about saving for retirement or you got to save up to buy a new car or whatever. You're just like, yeah, my car starts on the third try. That's fine. And you spend your money on whatever you want.
0: Yeah. You just make do with what you have and have some fun on the side. And if, if that's what you wanted to do, then go ahead and do it. Um I, I do feel like that type of spontaneousness will come in handy. If we have kids like, being able to just kind of be spontaneous like that and just say, hey, let's go do this. This will be fun. Um, I've always been that kind of spontaneous person. I think you have too, where, you know, planning is great, but at the same time, we want to just go right. and have fun. And I think that was, that was like the, the high point of all of that was uh, when we were all living together. And, and I guess I don't know where I'm going
1: with that. Well, I was just going to go in on the point of you talked about it being a spontaneous buy and and in some eyes it might look irresponsible to just go buy that stuff and whatever. But at the same time, that's when you're young and there is a component of that. You do it then to learn the control and look back on it so that at our point in life now, it's not as impulse. There's a little bit more. Think about it logically. Do we need that? I've already got something like it or is that really going to be? useful in a year when i bought if i do buy it now versus then it was like i don't care i want to sit on it for 20 minutes and i don't care if i ever use it again right right and Uh, so it's having that retrospect though almost protects you from doing that later
0: yeah i would completely agree with that i'm putting that into practice now when i see things online or in the store i'm like oh hey that's cool will i use that Maybe once, maybe twice. Do I really need to buy that? No. It's something that, you know, as I'm getting older and learning that I also have limited space in my house that is allotted to my random shit, right? Like I am only allowed to have certain parts of the house that has my random shit in it. So when I go and look at things, I have to take that into account because space is limited. You know, I have to be mindful of my spouse and her stuff, our stuff. So right. it's kind of a, a good lesson um, as I'm getting older here to like know really what's important and, and what's going to bring me joy in the long run.
1: Right, that's always a consideration because, like you said, space is finite, and as much as it'd be awesome to go get X and Y and Z and have every poster up or. Um, You know, I mentioned we got a side by side, but we do live in Alaska and a lot of people have snow machines as we call them snowmobiles and a lot of the other places that as much fun as it would be for us to go get one of the we don't have the garage space for it now so then are they going to stay outside well no you don't want to buy something expensive just keep it outside. So then it's barn or shed or whatever you know, and it just kind of spirals all there so then you take a step back and go, well, that's not really on the table at this time.
0: And I think another lesson from living with roommates is you have to be able to clean up after yourself because you don't want (laughs) to, you don't want to be that roommate that just pisses everybody off because you leave your dirty dishes everywhere and you don't have the courtesy to put your shit away. Like you don't have, you don't put your dishes in the dishwasher. You don't clean your room. Like, I feel like those are very, special skills that you're going to need once you find your partner and once you cohabitate with them. Um Mm -hmm. because they're gonna get on you real fast if if you're the slob.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think I think there's a lesson to be learned. It's probably with anybody you live with, but uh especially being able to learn it with as a couple young guys all living together who were friends, but then also figuring out that uh that balance between we don't have to do everything together but you've always got a buddy to do something together and respecting that when it's a hey we want to do this but this person's got that going on and kind of learning that back and forth mutual respect on okay you've got a big paper coming up so we're not going to have people over this weekend or uh i'm just gonna make dinner because i i just want to chill and watch a movie and have that you guys go to the movie on your own And, and not only that but then also when everybody is around learning how to to put it in kind of a cliche saying to in a sense that you can cohabitate but you don't have to always be interacting you don't have to always do the same things and everything else and learning when to separate with that or if you're tired on a particular night and they're saying oh we got people are going out we should all go out and go get drinks whatever else and you're just stepping back and saying like no i need to take this time and then them respecting that as well and if you always had somebody that went along with it or never said no or anything then later in life when those situations do come up the the reaction isn't always the same as if you had been prepared for those things
0: yeah absolutely i i do feel like i was kind of guilty of uh always taking advantage of the opportunities to do things um but there were times where you know you didn't want to go out or maybe you drank too much the night the night before so you kind of sat the next day out those types of things like mm-hmm. being able to have those conversations with your friends and have them respect it like yeah that's huge and i think as we get older now that's happening right now too
1: you yeah know,
0: we we want to play video games with each other we want to do different things together but everybody has their own stuff going on now like a lot of us are married or or in very very serious relationships like you can't always go out to the bar every night not only does your liver not allow you to do that anymore (laughs) but uh your your partner you, you need to spend time with them too and it's it's just finding that balance so where you know maybe in college we would hang out with our friends like every night or every other night, whatever. Now it's maybe once a month and that's just the way that Mm -hmm. it is, you know, and and that's okay. We've talked about it on this podcast before that, you know, even if you get one day a month with your friends, that's probably going to be a really good day because you're going to have a lot to catch up on and it's going to feel like it was
1: yesterday. Yeah. So that exact scenario was highlighted with just the other night. I went over to, uh, visit with josh and the kids were gone uh Brittany, his wife was gone and he's been working on the remodeling a bunch downstairs and he's very hands-on handy diy so he's been working on a bunch of that and i haven't seen him between that and then um he had to go do a little couple weeks down in guam i think for work stuff and so i hadn't seen him in probably close to two months and it was oh i'll go over you know have a beer with him catch up a little bit and then about four and a half hours later, Sarah's texting me, Hey, where are you? Uh, Cause I was still there and it was just turned into the fun conversation and talking about random stuff and old times and whatever else. And then all of a sudden you go, Oh, look at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It goes really fast. And just like this, I mean, we've already been talking for half an hour and it feels like we just started five minutes ago. You know, it's just right. once you get into that, once you get back into that flow, it, it's like nothing's changed. And that's, you know, that's a really telling sign of a true friendship right there. And mm-hmm. um, it's just incredible when you kind of look back and you think about the people who you came in contact with and some people you're closer with now than others. And that's okay. But then you like last night, we hung out with a guy that we went to high school with and I hadn't seen him since I graduated or a couple years out of, out of high school. And it just right, right back to normal. And that was awesome. Yeah. Like you mentioned that you guys have a side by side and you're doing this homebrewing stuff. Um, I know in Alaska, it's it's dark now already probably. And I get a lot of mm. questions all the time of, Oh, what do you do when it's dark? I know we touched on this a little bit last time, but um, with, with everything going on with COVID out there and everything like that, um, how have you adjusted your hobbies lately? And, um, what are some of your goals coming up for the winter time?
1: So I won't say I've necessarily adjusted my hobbies a ton based on COVID. Cause a lot of my hobbies, uh, didn't necessarily require that close social contact. Anyway. Um, some of them do, I play soccer and our soccer games, the facility got closed. And so, um, you know, the team we're on, but when you're on the field, they were basically like, if there's no breakout, no reason, you're not real close to people, you're running around and doing all that stuff, so it was uh okay, but they did ask, like, no extra people, don't bring spouses to come watch, whatever else, Um, so that one changed a little bit, but otherwise, during the winter, I like to ski, and you wear a mask, you're not necessarily right next to people for that one, so I don't think that's going to, change much especially if I trying to get back on the uh, uh, backcountry uh, kind of skinning up doing it on my own uh, thing as well which means there would be even less people right around um, home brings a good one because you know I'm home and I could invite one or two people over for it or I could just sit in the garage by myself and do whatever for the hours it takes to do it and all good so that's a new fun Hobby to stick with the side by side. It's just a little two seater. We use it a lot in the summer over to get to some fishing spots and just go riding and stuff like that. But that's more or less distance. And so overall, my hobbies haven't necessarily changed. And then in Alaska, you mentioned it getting so dark. I basically get up and go to work in the dark, and by the time I come home, it's in the dark. So more indoor, staying warm stuff. Um, playing video games, making dinner, watching a movie, whatever it is, just kind of chilling out until it's time to go to bed and start it all over again.
0: Have you guys found any new recipes to try? I need I need some new recipes to try.
1: New recipes to try. Um, Sarah did a uh, chicken tortilla soup the other day. That was pretty good.
0: Fucking love chicken tortilla soup. Yeah. One of my favorites. Sarah makes it quite a bit. Man, I can't get enough of
1: that. We haven't been cooking quite as extensively as we were a little bit ago. Um, just like getting busy. I got behind on some stuff and um, she's a little bit better at it than I am And using the evening time and stuff for it. But we're hosting Thanksgiving and my parents are going to come over. So just the four of us, small thing. Um, but since it's our first holiday season in the house, we decided we're taking Thanksgiving. We'll do Christmas dinner over there. But uh, so I've got control. I'm doing the the turkey all the way through, you know, taking complete control of that. And um, she's going to do mashed potatoes and all the sides and then uh, make some dessert and everything like that. So it'll be it'll be fun to do a kind of the whole process of a full holiday meal in our home. Like that all that first stuff, it's going to be a lot of fun. I get so
0: excited when I'm hosting people over to the house, like being in charge of all the meat the drinks, everything. We haven't hosted mm-hmm. a lot of like holiday meals here, but whenever Sarah's parents come out or when my parents are down, we always cook for them. And that, that is just so much fun because it's, it's like our turn, right? Our yeah. parents did so yeah. much for us when we were kids and now, now it's our turn to kind of flip it and, it's just a really good feeling.
1: It's a a lot of fun because I think I think you and I are social enough. We enjoy hosting. We enjoy having people. I think we both enjoy cooking and preparing a meal and all that stuff enough. But it's with as much that's going on in normal lives, it's hard to really say, okay, I'm going to make this big meal because it feels like it's taking so much from everything else. When a holiday comes around, it kind of gives you an excuse to put the other stuff aside and do this. So it's kind of funny you brought that up in the excitement and everything. Because just Sarah and I were talking about the other day. It's like, okay, well, we want to eat about this time. Okay, I got to do the turkey and all this and blah blah. Okay, well, while it's cooking, should we get a meat and cheese board out and everything? And then we need to get some wine, or maybe we make spiced cider, or and, and just kind of went off because we were so excited about all those options and everything else. Which you could if you, if you made the time for it, and this is what I'm getting at is life seems so busy. Otherwise if you made the time for it and planned meals and you could have that excitement a lot more, but holidays give us the reason to, or I hate to say excuse to put that stuff aside and focus on the meal, the making the, all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, man. That's the fun part is like planning yeah. it out. And like you were saying, oh, well, I'm going to put the turkey in at this time. And while that's cooking, I'm going to do these three other things that are going to be fucking amazing. Like just yeah. being able to, to to take ownership of that and to know that you guys were the ones who planned this and executed it and all of that. Um, but I have to ask you, how are you planning to cook your turkey? Are you frying it? Are you baking it? Are you smoking it? What's, what's the uh, trajectory there?
1: We, the fried turkey thing isn't really, we don't have a huge interest in that. I don't know. It's just, I've heard about them. I know that people say they're great. It doesn't pique my interest the whole time. And then I got one of those uh, for my birthday last year, it was given to me a pellet grill. So we had talked about smoking it. That being said, looking into it, talking to some people and how cold it is now, it's really hard to keep it at temperature like that and actually do it right. So it may end up taking way longer. And so we decided not to do that, but we're going to brine it, which I've read has uh, helps keep a ton of the moisture in and then still makes the skin nice and crispy. And then we're just going to put it in the oven. Nice. nice. Keep it fairly straightforward. Yeah.
0: That's cool. That's a good, good way to do it. Hopefully you're still able to have use of the oven if you're making other things Um, or maybe you have a double oven. Maybe it's a fancy double oven.
1: No, we have the single oven, but what we did talk about because um, we will need some area to make some of the other stuff is that maybe like some veggies and that type of stuff. Those can be done on the grill pretty easy, Um, but we are going to have to coordinate some things for sure.
0: See, look at us, man. We're talking about a game plan for cooking a Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I, can't. I know. Look how far we've come from. Especially Bern-
1: since I still see both of us as sixteen-year-olds,
0: <laughs> dude. Every time. And I'm sure I, our parents do too. Oh, I, I would imagine they do. Do you remember when I was staying at your house and I made mac and cheese that one night and I kept, (laughs) you guys had the the covers on all the burners and I was like, oh, well, this is weird. Maybe this is just like a fancy, um, fancy stovetop or something. Nope. Definitely a cover for the coils that got burnt like crazy and your mom came home. She's like,
1: what is this? I I remember it and like looking back on it, I don't know what we were doing. We had a movie going or something, but my attention was otherwise occupied. And you're like, I'm going to go make mac and cheese. I was like, yeah, man, I'm gonna have some, go for it. Make two boxes, whatever. And then in retrospect, I should have realized you were making macaroni and cheese and like 45 minutes later, it wasn't done. <laughs> and so I should have known because you just came walking back and you're like, Hey man, is something going on with your, your stovetop? The water's not boiling. <laughs> and so I took it out. I just have the pot sitting there. Nothing happening in the water. And I take it off. And yeah, you can see the individual coils burnt into this white, like ceramic cover over the whole thing.
0: I'm sorry, Roseanne.
1: <laughs> I think she's fine with that. I think she enjoys the story as well
0: I hope so you talked about Thanksgiving ours is going to be more of a low-key event it's just gonna be me and Sarah and um, mm. we're gonna make steaks and mashed potatoes sweet mashed potatoes and um, there you go yeah it'll be fun I'm I'm kind of excited about it because again I get to be in charge of the meat that's my pigeonhole that I have pigeonholed myself into is I am the meat. She is yes. everything else.
1: That's what they call you on the street.
0: Yes. Yes. That's how I make my side hustle money. It's, uh, the San Fernando is getting to me, Nathan. You can tell by my outlandish remarks.
1: Right. Hey, I'll send you a couple more. Okay. While I'm out of that one, I'll send you whatever you next.
0: <laughs> if there's any left over, maybe some of that raging elf.
1: There we go. It's probably not going go. to
0: be any of that left because that sounds amazing.
1: Well, um, no, I think there will be because I don't think people are going to be quite grabbing that one to enjoy as much when it's ten percent and I still made five gallons of it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough. Well, if there, yeah, if there's that's the only thing
1: with home brewing. It's it's the way I set it up. It's five gallons or bust.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you got to get your money's worth, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. At one point we calculated it out and it might've been that pale ale actually, how much I spent on getting the grains and hops and whatever else. And it came out to a dollar a beer.
0: Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a dollar a beer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you think of it as a beer that you're designing the way you want and has the good hoppiness and stuff like the dollar instead of $7 or whatever, yeah, absolutely I'll take it.
0: Yeah, I feel like beer prices are getting out of hand. And um, that's why I stick to the bush light. I don't know. I can get 30 bush lights for like 20 bucks. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I don't know. I, I try to drink the nice beer that I used to like a lot. and I just can't do it anymore. I don't know what it is. See, like I've, I've had one pale ale and I'm already like flushed and I don't know what's happening to me.
1: The bush light you're drinking is probably what two, three percent. And the one I sent you there is probably more like six.
0: Yeah, that's fair. The bush yeah, the bush light's like what four maybe? Four.
1: Oh, maybe it's four, maybe, but still
0: it's water. It's basically water. Right. Um, which is awesome. It's a good (laughs) it's a good thing to to drink. You're still getting your hydration in. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, hey, man, we've covered a lot of ground. We had a delicious beer. I I can still see some residue on my glass, so I know that that was a very well-made quality beer. Props to you and Josh for for making that deliciousness. Thank you for sharing it with me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Is there anything else that we should talk about before we get out of here, Um, get ready for Thanksgiving? It's Thanksgiving week. I'm excited. It's all about spending time with your loved ones, watching some football and just really making sure that you're taking that time to be thankful for what you have in your life. We need more times like that where we're take, we're intentionally taking that time to step back and think about that stuff. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for that.
1: Yeah. Um, that's all I'd end on is everybody be safe, keep yourself healthy. I know it's hard during these times to necessarily, uh, keep yourself away from all the loved ones but keep keep everybody safe healthy happy and if that means a little bit of a smaller group then stick to it and we'll all get through this all right
0: man well hey thanks again for spending some time with me tonight i really appreciate it thanks for the beer and the good conversation
1: all right thanks for having me on